0: welcome back to the water podcast everyone this is Matteo and this is part two of the interview with Mano Constar, freshly crowned the new Mumba Masters champion, um, as of yesterday. So congrats on Mano for that. Mano in the first part of the interview released last week, talks a lot about some challenges, uh, you know, that happens in the sport, like training, coaching, preparing for a tournament in March for people that live in the Northern Hemispheres. In the second part, among other things that we touch on, such as winning the 2018 Masters and also some of the positive occurrences after her world title, Mano talks about another challenge. And this is a problem that faces the sport and faces any sport, really. It's not just about water skiing. And Mano candidly shared One, uh, something that happened to her and what she has learned from it. I truly think she did it in the most candid and respectful way. And I'm humbled that she decided to use this podcast to share, uh, I, I really think, a positive message. So I'm glad that we finally have this out for this week. It wasn't an easy conversation, but nevertheless, a necessary one and so i hope that anyone who decides to listen takes this for what it is a positive message of something that needs to change uh, in the world of sports Uh, and water skiing is no exception to that so other than that enjoy this episode mano and i touched on a lot of things Um, we i really think we fed off each other very well it was easy to talk to her it's someone that I highly respect as a person and obviously one of the most fearful and uh, aggressive competitors out there. So this was a true pleasure and I'm happy to share it with the water skiing community. Enjoy the second part. I really want to thank anyone who has been supporting the podcast, you know, messages, donations, uh, the, the emails and, and private messages that I receive really make me they're very encouraging they make me continue this work which is really a work of love I was also able to get some more interviews on the road last week which will be coming up in the ensuing weeks but until then enjoy this episode the second part of the interview with Mano Constart all right Mano so we got back uh, from a little break and uh We left with worlds. And I kind of want to ask you the same question I asked to both Adam and Corey. What was the first, the day after, the first two weeks, first six months? Like, how how was that?
1: It was, it was incredible. (laughs) Um, The first day or the day right after, I I just felt complete you know i wasn't even hungry anymore and i was joking saying well you know i filled up the hole in, in me you yeah. know like it's just <laughs> right. i i'm yeah i'm completely satisfied and so happy and i was just um that same night you know when i won and this is maybe a bit lame but um you know it's the saturday night off Worlds. some people go out and and they're they're very excited to you know just spend some time with their friends and party and I went and had some drinks and at the end I was like actually you know as much as I would love to go and and be with my friends and celebrate and all this I actually don't want to get drunk and and kind of forget a little bit of how I'm feeling now Ah. like I I need no alcohol or no celebration or no music or nothing I'm just I I think it's a feeling that I'm never gonna get again or you know yeah I'm sure I'll never get that exact same feeling Mm -hmm. and I felt such a little cloud and so happy and so complete. And I was like, I I just want to enjoy this for what it is and not have anything else, you know, coming, you know, to add like some other, you know, uh, feelings or whatever. It was was just enough and it was amazing. So like, I think I'm just going to enjoy this for, for tonight, thinking that, you know, we would celebrate everything on, on, on the Sunday night. Um, and then. Then, you know, the, the week after I I go home and, you know, I start seeing all the the people with who I trained so hard and, you know, also my mom and my sister and and I start having people around me that are so genuinely happy for me. It, yeah, it helps me even more, you know, like stay on that cloud and, and just be like, Oh, this is this is so cool, and I can't believe this happened. And and little by little, you actually realize a little bit more of what happened. Right, right. Um, so yeah, the the first you know two weeks were you know, on the cloud. It's so cool. Um, I celebrated after, you know, not right that same day, but after, yeah. you know, I had some some good nights out, and I had some friends that were getting married, and we had a good time there too. And I just like from then on, it just you know. Um, was a lot of, of cool moments, um, and my sister organizing little things for me. Just just really cool. Really yeah. taking the time to enjoy it for two weeks, and then I had some tournaments again. So I had to get back in it, and I actually had nationals after Europeans and worlds. And I was like, well, I have you know, I, I have to. How do I get motivated to do this now? Right. So it was a bit hard to get motivated to do the rest of the season. I had nationals, and then I had. Um, the Malibu Open, mm-hmm. and you'll just, you know, you'll just, you just want to enjoy, you're not 100% anymore. Right, um, right. So I was just very happy on the cloud. Uh, I'm super happy to share it with the people that cared so much, and and it was incredible, you know. I was back in Lacano like, for a few weeks, it was so cool.
0: Give us a moment, like something that happened back home, or some cool story that, you know, maybe not even skin-related, something that, you know...
1: Um oh that, that there is something really cool. I so I organized um a little you know dinner with, with some friends uh over there back home. And uh so we had a really good time. It was fun. I was very happy anyways, you know, and so we shared it was cool. And then um we've got some friends uh, that ski on a big lake that we ski at. Yeah. Um and and uh he a kid he's probably 14 or 15 super nice super sweet we spent a lot of time you know with him and his sister in in the summer and he wrote me a song and he and he sang it and it was so cool it was yeah it was a song about me winning world (laughs) what that's awesome it was so sweet and he you know sang it in front of everyone and everyone was you know laughing and it was it was just a great moment and it's something that's going to last. And, you know, I have the video of this song and all of us, you know, you know, listening to him. And I thought it was so sweet of him. It was so cool. So, that's yeah, a cool that, that was there. a really cool thing. A really cool thing that he did. And, you know, like proper song. It lasted for three minutes. Yeah. You yeah know, like like, like all of the lyrics, like different, you know, three parts. And uh, it, it was so cool. <laughs> like recording. <laughs> no material. one had done that. Yeah. No one had done that for me before. So, yeah, that was that was really cool really really cool moment
0: nice nice yeah no. I mean I can imagine like that you know those first two weeks uh, maybe even a month if you didn't have Malibu Open and Nationals you could have kept going right yeah I
1: think you don't go down as long as you don't need to focus again and be like okay well you know it doesn't matter now you need to focus on this thing and so you have to forget a bit about all of that right so you go down but yeah if there was if it was the last tournament of the year I think I would have stayed up for you while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so then, you know, nationals, how did it go?
1: It went well. Um, We, yeah, it was fun. We, uh, I won, Um, didn't ski amazing, but yeah, it was good. And then we had actually some night skiing at the end. Um, And uh, they organized a little, you know, pro tournament with cash prize. Yeah. um, The French Open. No one else but French people came. Yeah. (laughs) uh, it was really cool to ski by night. We, yeah. I hadn't done that in forever, and and so that was fun. That was really fun. It was a, it was hard to get back into the motivation, but in the end, it was it was really cool. It was a good moment, and yeah, it was it was really fun. Nice,
0: mm-hmm. nice. And then Malibu.
1: Malibu, um, you know, I just got back to the U.S. Uh, I skied really well. I did. I I ran it on the first round. Um run run eight. <laughs> yep. I ran ten on the first round. Um and Whitney and Regina did two, I think. Well actually I did I did five and a half and I didn't I didn't hold the slack. Yeah. So I didn't go at ten to a five. Um and then I didn't I mean Sam and uh and, and Jamie kid amazing, yep. which was really cool. I I actually made me very happy because I think that's something that is gonna make women's skiing more like even more exciting and you know bring it to even more tournaments in and, and pro tournaments um and they both i mean they were so consistent over that weekend and it was it was really cool it was just really cool I didn't ski well enough to make it to the finals yeah um they skied amazing uh yeah, I was disappointed of course you always are if you if you don't you know ski as well but at the same time I was really excited to see that there is some you know really really good competition in, in the women's skiing and I think it's it's really good news just because I want I want that I want for us to have more tournaments and I want for people to get excited when they watch us ski and I want you know for the men's slalom right now it's so incredible if you do like a quarter of a buoy less you can lose you know three spots or four, yeah. or four or five spots you know it's so close and you get it so very very interesting and and a lot of clubs are like yeah we want them to come and, and do the show at our place it's really cool and it's it's awesome to watch and for me it's awesome to watch so if women's king can be more like that well like that's great that's great so yeah i'm and very and excited for and
0: that. i think he speaks a lot i mean we've known each other for for ages and he speaks a lot about how you you care about the sport too. And I mean, you've shown it over the years, you are our athlete rapping in Europe. Uh, you've been heavily involved j- just beyond your own buoys, you know? Um, and so let's talk a little bit about that. Like, where do you see, obviously, you know, Sam, Jamie, Ali, these new upcoming skiers like really pushing it, um, is, is healthy for the sport. Right? Like it, sure. it helps.
1: Yeah, it helps a ton. It's uh it's incredible. And it's so cool to see the level go go up like this. Um they're all cool girls, I really like them. Yeah. You know, and, and I get to spend more time with some of them than than others, but cool girls that ski really well and and are gonna bring um are gonna make our tournaments so much more interesting. So yeah. to me it's awesome. It's it's great and you know, it, younger girls coming up and it's healthy, you know, it's the way it should be. And, but it's very exciting. I'm, I'm very excited for it because it's been hard to see, I guess, uh, men's slalom pro tournaments go up so high and for girls to, you know, either try and be included at first, you know, like some tournaments were like, yeah, we want, we want to have both. We're going to do both. And, you know, you're the best for us because you've, you know you've had us since the start and you're not let us, letting us down and, no. and you know you're it, and it's so cool because I think it motivates also a lot of, of uh, European girls to be like okay I'm gonna keep skiing because there is those cool tournaments that I'd like to you know do good in and and you know practice with and it's such a you know big source of motivation but yeah there are some other tournaments where they try and not that many girls show up yeah um, and they're like, well, if they're not gonna show up. I'm not gonna spend money on, on them. I'm gonna put more money to the people that actually show up. So it's a fair point, but you know, the f- we're, we're proving right now, and with Malibu Open, I thought that was the ultimate proof that we do have an interesting competition going between us. And and if they let us, you know, show that, and and if all the girls decide to go and go to those tournaments and show what they can do then I think very quickly or pro tour could you know follow the one of of men's salaoming um I'm not saying that we're gonna you know be as you know have as deep of a field and yeah. them because I mean you guys have yeah a ton of people and I think it's it's just the way it is um
0: but I think the two go together, right? Like yeah. the more pro tournaments there are, the more girls are going to have a motivation to push it. The more girls are going to get better. I mean, it's it's both. It continues to circle, right? I don't well. think that if in the last five or six years we went from five or six pro tournaments to 14, you would see people like, I don't know, Robert or Jacob or this younger generation really pushing it super hard because now they have something to look forward to, Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you, if more women's event will come up, more girls would have things to look forward to, and that sport develops like that.
1: Of course, because then you, you're, you're going, you're like, well, do I, can I justify not, you know, spending so much time on skiing and, and you know, either, you know, whether it's with school or like, you have to do some sacrifices, right? like yeah. you, So you're gonna have to spend a lot of money traveling the world and and going to do all of these things. Uh, can I justify it if there is three tournaments a year not really if there is a lot then okay yeah I'm gonna go 100% it's cool and and we're gonna we're gonna work towards that and that's gonna be what I'm gonna be doing for a few years you know or more Um, so yeah it goes it goes together and then you know the girls that are already here need to go to the tournaments and the tournaments need to do exactly what you did kind of not give up after the first year being like well, they didn't show up, so it's not worth it. Like yeah. you know, it it needs to go from both sides, um, and there is no perfect solution. It's hard because the money doesn't you know grow on trees, and it it you have to uh, as an organizer, you have to do technical deci- you know te- technical decisions where you have to be financially viable, and you know. But yeah, to me, what happened at my Libre Open was a big you know push and and gave a lot of hope uh i think to me and probably to a lot of other people about women pro skiing yeah i think it's it's a good step forward and and yeah it's just, it's it's exciting and it's gonna push everyone you know when you have such a tight field with girls pushing and and being so close to running to running 10 oh, it's motivating it's fun it's cool to watch but it's also cool to ski against you know yeah, for sure. you get more satisfaction if you do well and if you if you place well if, if there is you know a big competition
0: and i think you know even like if you give skiers opportunity to compete they're going to compete and I and i think our tournament this past summer showed it because unfortunately you couldn't compete in because of your back there were none of the names that we talked about that made it to the finals at malibu open but all of a sudden you had like eight eight women skiers all at the same level that two three at 39 that, I don't know if you watched, probably you were upset that you couldn't ski, but there were crashers, they were pushing for the next ball. I, as an organizer, I found it amazing. You know, because the crowd was like, okay, the scores might be three buoys less than what we expected, but there's a ton of people and they're fighting for that score. And they fought and it was exciting, exactly. So me as an organizer, I'm like, oh hell yeah, I'm going to do it again, Mm -hmm. right? Like I saw athletes that pushed it, and fought it, you know, um, you had someone like Sam winning her first pro event and, uh, actually I didn't even know that qualified her for masters. Like yeah. I didn't know that my tournament, our tournament qualified for, a uh, for masters if you want.
1: that's awesome. So,
0: you know, like, I think it's really a call that I've already done before, but like to other organizers who are on the fence really put women's slalom in, you know, it really adds a ton to the event.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah it does it's very good to hear it from you know your opinion as an organizer and and to hear that you you're saying you know the people that were watching it loved it and were excited about it then it's awesome that's what we need you know we need people to actually be interested in what we do and and for it to be to be exciting and and close and you know
0: yeah and it takes and it takes as you said effort on both parts because you remember the first two or 3 years the field wasn't that big, and I I remember emailing. I think I took the emails of the top thirty women in the world. and I said, "Listen, ladies, I'm gonna keep doing this, but you know, come on." You and have sure to enough, it. yeah, and sure enough, the support came through strong. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if you stick it in and you keep do, putting money up, skiers are gonna show up, and it's gonna add to the event. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's what I tried to. I had the opportunity for, you know, a few years to be able to go to. A, all the tournaments Mm -hmm. and I made a point to go and support all of them. And last year it was a bit different because, and I still showed up, uh, but I couldn't ski and you know, my back was bad and for, for your tournament and then California I didn't go because we had our nationals and we had to go to our nationals. Yeah. So, but as, as much as I can, I'm going to go and show up to every tournament just because, i want to tell them you know we're here we have a good field we're motivated and we're very happy that you're you know putting the effort and putting some money for us you know it's it's super we have to be thankful for it so yeah so i think it's the way to go girls go to tournaments and then and then the the organizers please you know let us in it's it's a cool show and i think it goes together as you say it's it's nice to have and also you bring another um, dimension to skiing, okay, you look at the guys and incredible competitions, super powerful uh, crazy crashes, crazy performances and things like that. So cool to watch. You watch girls if you're um, let's say an amateur or, or or a woman or you know the wife of, of a skier and you see yeah. girls doing it first of all, okay, that shows you that you can do it. But also technique-wise, we're we're less strong, right? So we yeah. have to be a bit more careful about our technique. And it, you know, there's other things that you can take from watching a girl ski. You know, it's at 55, not you know at, at 58. And so there are some really interesting things that it can be taken from the people watching around. You know, it's not it's yeah. not just um yeah, it's not just all you know, less interesting than men we have or other things to bring, you know, to, to the tournament. Yeah,
0: no. And the reason why you saw me scratching my head is that I was thinking, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, a lot of these pre women's slalomers are, are stronger than me. So like you always said, I oh, were less strong. I don't know about that, but no, for sure. It adds a completely different dimension. And I like what you said because, you know, um, you're the wife of some skier or you're a skier yourself, you know, Uh, and you watch girls pushing it to really short line and doing great feats on the water, it motivates you to even go and try harder, you know, and continue to ski. Mm -hmm. And I think it also motivates a lot of young girls, right? It motivates a lot of young skiers, which, you know... I would say even a european nationals for whatever reason the numbers are never super equal there's always a bit more boys than girls Mm -hmm. so you know like if they get opportunities to see high performances from women often then of course the inspiration you know would come with um and i'm hopeful i said it in in a lot of in a lot of occasions i just see and i want to take your that your take on that I just see the sport being in a little bit of a resurgence in the last two or three years. And I see it from a lot of different dimensions, right? So we have more pro tournaments right now, primarily guys, but there's more people willing to put money up. Um, you talk to ski schools, ski schools are pulling more rides, you know, uh, both in terms of like club members, but also, you know, the occasional person then comes and takes a few sets. Um, I'd be interesting. I think I saw something, both from the Italian Federation and the US Federation, that the numbers of members are going up. Um, so a lot of a lot of places where I see, okay, there's there's a bit of like a, an increase, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that, like, have you noticed that too?
1: I've noticed it. Um, what I've noticed is that people tend to come back from wakeboard back to skiing a little. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that a little. Um, just because skiing ends up, you know, being, it's fun too. You get some speed, you get some things that you don't get from only wakeboarding. Like buoys. Yeah. If <laughs> you're yeah, like buoys, buoys, you're hooked. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've also noticed, and, and it's really cool, and it's also because I'm I am lucky enough to, you know, be able to ski on a, on a big public lake in France, um, that people who, who are put... You know, they, they, or have access to it, love it. You mm-hmm. know, if if you discover it again, most people just absolutely love it. They think it's fun, and and I think slowly it's it's getting back. Yeah, it's getting back to that. So I don't own a club, so I can't tell you if you know n- the numbers are going up. Especially, you know, especially, but um, I I can see at least that um, as soon as someone is put back in touch with the water and with water skiing. They have a good time and they like it and and they want to do it and it's a family sport. I think it's so cool that you know people can have their their boat and or go to a, to a ski school and and spend some time with with everyone in their family because it's something that you can do. I started when I was three years old. Right. Um, you can have kids doing it. You can have adults. You can have. You can do it until pretty late. You know, in mm-hmm. your in your years too. So it's something that can you know help you spend a lot of time together so i think it's important to um and that's what um, the u.s does really well with college aid skiing mm-hmm. you know um getting the young you know the young young kids to actually be a bit more involved in it and having a good time and putting making skiing accessible to them so they do they do an amazing job with college aid skiing um I think now it's it's up to really up to a lot of the coaches to uh, to see you know to motivate those those kids you know they they for some reason they've been thrown in, in a water skiing they they have access to it or they they come to a coach um, well you know help them have fun you know there is so many mm-hmm. and even personally I had experiences with coaches that were amazing for me a great fit. And then some coaches that made me not really like skiing, you know, that it was too serious or it was it was just not a good fit. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important for the coach to to see the kid and and see what they actually need um, to make them have a good time and, and want to stay in the sport. Um, so if you have a kid that is a bit, you know, it, talented, but they're not really motivated and stuff. OK, yeah, push them, you know. And, and help them be a bit more serious. If you have a kid that is super serious and, and well, maybe try and lighten things up and let them have fun. You know, it's super, the most important thing. And that's how you're going to get, you know, people to stay in the sport is you have to enjoy it, right? Yeah. Like, it's not about just performance. And our sport is ba- based on performance. You can easily count your points, uh, know what distance you go and count in the buoys. But... You cannot focus only on that because there's another dimension to it where it's just the more you enjoy it and the more you you feel good doing it, the better you're going to, the more efficient you're going to be training and the better you're going to end up. So
0: the more you're going to stay in the sport, right? The more you're going to stay on the sport, like, Mm -hmm. because it's tied not only to, to scores and buoys, but also like to experiences. I mean, you said it like you were, it was an opportunity to be with your family, right? Uh, in, you know, in a beautiful scenery and spend time with the people you love. So if you, if you get to associate your sport, it doesn't have to be just skiing, but let's say skiing with something beyond the buoy count or beyond the points or beyond the meters, then it becomes a passion that let's face it. Sometimes training is hard, you know, um, like things are not going your way. It's hard. It's demanding on the parents, on the, on the skier. So. If there is that passion that is beyond how many buoys you ran, then you're gonna be likely to push to train more, but also to stay in the sport because I think you you highlighted it's super important in this sport. You can do this sport your whole life, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like snow skiing in a sense. You can start really young. You can be 80 and still shred. You know, like that's that's one of the coolest things in our sport that, let's face it, not a lot of sports have, right?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And I've seen a lot of friends around the you know, over the years that were very talented and very good, and they get to a point where they're not having fun anymore, it's too serious, and, or they have a bad experience or something, and, and, you know, they, that's how you move away, and then I have a lot of other friends that went and had amazing experiences, and, and are gonna stay in the sport for forever, just because they had so much fun doing it and and they made friends and they have you know like it's it becomes a huge part of their life so i think you need you know it needs to be pushed that you get people um to stay in the sport by by you know having you know Least, I I really think the coaches have a, a, a big influence on that. You have to show those kids that it's going to be fun and that no matter what, you know, you're here because you're going to have a community around you. You're going to have people that are here and, and want, you know, the best for you. And and yeah, just make them experience the, the very positive thing that a sport can, can yeah. bring.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, the early experiences... Right. Like, because as you said, like uh, when you're young, if you're fortunate, more often than not, you have a coach, you have parents that are sort of guiding you. I think the experiences when you're young skiing uh, are super crucial. Right. Mm -hmm. They're crucial into not only into performance, but also like into whether you're going to stay in the sport or not. Right. Um, Any experiences you want to share? Like uh, something that, that, you know like going back kind of like kind of circling back to your youth and and your skiing
1: yeah well um i had i had a lot of different experiences with coaches and i I, as i was saying it before you know i had some that made me like skiing a lot and Mm -hmm. and you know like skiing again because at some point i didn't like it so much anymore it was more of a
0: mature chore kind of. Of, a,
1: of a job it was like going to school and I'm not saying that I didn't like going to school but <laughs> yeah but. it was more of something yeah that I had to do I didn't really have a choice and and I didn't know that it was something fun anymore and I lost you know track of that and I think that was you know down to me and down to some experiences that you know I was um you hear about it in a lot of sports and you know sometimes you 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 trust someone when you're a kid okay you're a parent you give your kids to to a coach um and you trust them to you know help them um get better and, and they take they take your kids to tournaments and stuff like that and um I think part of why I started not having fun skiing at some point was I was put in a situation by you know someone that was meant to take care of me and to, you know, take me to tournaments um, and, you know, take care of, of a whole team of us. That put me in a situation that, that you know, led to someone being able to, you know, take advantage of me in a really bad way when I was, you know, way too young. And so when you're, you're 13 and you get through, you know, you, it's a time of your life where... Um, you're used to saying yes to a lot of people, right? You're used to you have to to uh, tell to do what you know your coaches tell you to do. You have to do what your parents tell you to do. You have to do what your teachers tell you to do, or anyone that is older than you has uh, the the overhand. You know, like they you have to listen to people. But at the same time, you feel like okay, I'm starting to be able to take some decision for myself. I'm starting starting to be independent and stuff like that. So. You get put in the, in a position and, and you see it in a lot of sports um, where, you know, kids are taking, ad- are being taken advantage of and no one knows about it because they can't say it because they don't know, either they don't know, you know, exactly what happened. They don't understand it because they were manipulated in such a way that it could have been their fault. You know, they they, they they can think, okay, well, maybe that was my fault and I did that wrong. And and so instead of knowing what happens to you, you feel guilty and ashamed and you, you deny everything. You're like, no, 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 you know, it, it, nothing happened. It, you know, don't don't talk about it. Don't say it to anyone. And, and so you end up having, you know, just like what you had with the Me Too movement in the US, gymnastics or in France right now, it's a it's a huge thing where girls and boys have been, you know, I'll say taken advantage of. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and no one heard about it for years and years and years and years and years. And you sit there and you're like you know, most people are like, Well why why didn't they say anything? But when you're when you're that person, you know, that you don't either. There's a lot of times where you don't really understand what happened to you, and so you're not able to go and and tell someone. Um, and there's always things that you could have done different mm-hmm. that you feel you're young. You're young enough, so you you feel like, well, it's my fault because I did that, that, and that, and that. Um, I could, you know, I could have, I could have prevented it, and and so it's my fault. So. I'm very ashamed of what happened. So I'm just gonna try and avoid the subject and and try and leave it in a corner of of your mind. To suppress um, it. Yeah. And I think it's a big issue, not talking just about skiing. I'm talking about any anywhere in your life, you know, and and just I think it's important to for people to realize that um, when you think that something maybe had happened to someone, uh instead of maybe either to me a lot of people heard about you know my story and they never came to me to explain to me what had happened to me which is something that I regret you know I think it, it would have helped me a lot or go to my mom and you know someone that can talk to me mm-hmm. and and tell them look you know, this happened and I think, you know, she's not going to talk to you about it because, because it's normal, yeah. you know, it's, it's just the way it goes. I, um, but she, it needs to be dealt with. And, and instead, you know, people didn't really say anything. Um, it was said of you know, said a lot behind my back and things like that. So I ended up, uh, being really alone in the process of dealing with that, with that matter, um, and not dealing with it. And, so, and not really realizing that it was bad up until like I don't know 15 years after the fact, you know, like you just you forget, you you just you know you feel the guilt and the shame, but you don't you don't understand it, and you don't take the time to understand it. So yeah, so understand that someone's not gonna come to you and be like, hey, you know, this happened to me, and you know, because they they don't have they. It, it just doesn't sadly it just doesn't work that way um but if if you know of something or if you if you heard of something or if you if you have doubts I think it's important to go in and talk and if you're close to the person to who it happened to you're not just going to show up and, and be a stranger and but I think it's it's important to you know when when they when it just happened and there are still kids and just go and have a discussion with them. You don't have to say, look, you have to say something and and um, that person needs to be punished or whatever for doing what they did to you. It, it's not necessarily that. It's, hey, something very unfair happened to you. Um, you're going to feel like it's your fault and you're going to feel guilty and, and, and ashamed of it. And I'm here to tell you that it's okay. It's normal. You don't have to say anything to anyone if you don't want to. But please make sure that you actually say say it to at least one person that you you know you can trust a hundred percent. Yeah. Just so that they can, you know, be a shoulder and and be, um, make more sense of what happened. Because when when it happened to you, it's too close and you don't you don't get it. You don't you you just think oh you know you hear. And I hear the other stories and I'm like, Well, that was way worse for them, you know, like and and still I'm twenty eight, you know, and I still think that all the time. And I and I need the people around me that I've talked about it with to tell me, look, it's it's not the case. It's not the case. And so yeah, I think it's important to realise that we need to talk about it and, and and it goes with, you know, Uh, wanting to keep the kids in the sport you need to they need to feel good in the sport and they can't be you know taken advantage of and and by by no one saying anything and just assuming that oh if no one's talking if the girls are not talking that means that you know it's it's fine and there there was nothing then no it's important it's very important for any sport and any environment for people to realize that it's much more complex than, you know, and you know, you know more than me, I'm sure, but because, you know, with psychology, but yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think, I I think you highlight a very important point. Uh, These situations are very difficult. Um, The, the lag of time that, that occurs between when, you know, an episode like, what well, you might have experienced or cursed And when that comes to surface, it's because of the, that emotional response, right? The guilt and the shame being generally um, the two most common ones, uh, coupled with a bit of fear also. Um, so that's that's what explains the lack of time. And I think, if anything, um, movements like the Me Too here in the US and what has been going on, um, Say in France um, and in other countries, like really trying to bring the subject to the awareness of the people, is that the f- it's hopefully starting a conversation, right? Whether at the organization level or at the g- uh, general public level, but also at the individual case level, right? That person that uh, might have you know heard of but doesn't know, but he knows the athlete it's really important to have that conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, I, I fully agree. Like the, the aspect of, you know, um, talking about the topic and talking about whatever might've happened with the young athlete becomes of utmost importance. Mm -hmm. And, um, even more if, you know, if you are within the athlete ecosystem you might not be the coach you might not but you're you're next to the athlete you know the person you're aware of that person um like just having a conversation about it can go a long way because sometimes the athlete won't talk about it yeah right
1: yeah and you could even have the conversation with with the athlete and and the athlete to not say that it happened but you can still just the fact that you say some things to them and and make them okay start thinking about it a little bit more and and understand some things that even if they don't want to share it with you they you can still get to them by by talking to them and hopefully making feel making them feel like a bit better you know a bit bit more understood even though it's not it's not um an open conversation there but they're still gonna hear you know the conversation that they're or the, the the words that the other person has to them and i think it's important and yeah it it, it has to be it's way more than than just okay you, you know you need you need to speak about it because it need to stop not like the first step is you need to st- to speak about it to someone that you trust because you need to heal mm-hmm. yeah you know? um so yeah
0: yeah anything <laughs> that you uh, I guess, uh, learned that you want to share, like, cause obviously this was, you know, uh, it was a recent, uh, the, the, Me Too movement and, and recent discoveries about what happened in sports, uh, years ago, really. Um, not that it doesn't happen now or, you know, but like, this has been, um, shall we say like a hot topic in recent years? Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that you, that you've learned that you want to share?
1: Uh, I don't know've I've learned a bit more well, I I've understood the importance to talk about it to someone to me in you know I was in complete denial of what had happened for a long time and I understand the importance of finding someone that is gonna be there to listen and to you know help me go through what happened or understand it and and that, that is the most powerful thing that you can do just having one conversation or a conversation with one person multiple times if you if you want to but having a one person that you can trust and that is gonna that is gonna help you make peace with what happened because you know you can't bury it in for forever. It's it's yeah. it affects you, you know, and sometimes without even you knowing about it. And sometimes you know about it, sometimes you don't. Everyone has a different story and a different way to react to it. But no matter what it is i y you, you have to have a person that is gonna help you understand it and help you help you just talk about it and and not letting you know eat you from within because you keep it for yourself and you know yeah, so, I yeah.
0: think you know like the role of social support is huge, right uh certainly for situations like this uh but in general, in general, it's nice to have that system of people that you know, are close to you and that you trust, uh, you know, uh, even for, let's say, lighter topics such as, you know, uh, you're preparing for an event or your motivation is going down, like you're not really feeling like training. Having that support system around you, right? It could be, you know, coaching, people at the lake, friends or certainly family, you know, like people around you that you can go to uh, becomes a crucial part of any athlete's experience right Mm -hmm. um for uh, important things like the one we just discussed and for things like you know um having a shoulder to which you lay on when you're when you're trying to prepare and when you're trying to get ready when you're trying to train and and things like that Mm -hmm. so why don't we give some shout outs you know obviously it sounds to me like you've had a strong social support system in your Mm skiing career yeah anyone that you want to bring up that you want to thank
1: well there's a lot of people that i want to thank well yeah i am first of all you know like obviously my mom obviously my mom because she's been there the whole way and she um you know i just recently told her what happened when so i was 13 when that happened um and yeah she she's been amazing with it and she was amazing before and it was you know definitely something that she didn't know because I wasn't able to say it and there was no way of her to know but you know so to her and then I had amazing people and it's not you know staying on that it's not just about that subject it's just people that were there and that what that had my best interest in mind and I had coaches like that and and it was great you know it was great um yeah yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but maybe just even beyond this, uh, this, this uh, topic, like someone that you know you, you want to thank for how you know good they've been in your career, you know, like. Yeah. Uh,
1: um. Yeah, for sure. Well, I had. Um. You know, I had a few coaches that really, really influenced me, and in a really good way. And. Um, the first one was my first coach. His, he passed away. He's. Uh, Jean-Michel Coe, and mm-hmm. he was, he was great to me. Um, and you know, I had also another one, he passed away as well, but Claude Malusky, he was, you know, great to me. Um, and then I went to, uh, Damien Ackerer that, you know, made me love skiing and he was so good at, you know, just making me have a good time. And it was, it was a really, you know, it pushed me from being, uh, okay skier to really wanting to do better and better and better and understanding you know what i'm doing and, and having fun and and loving it so he definitely had a huge influence on me and then um and then i mean freddy freddy helped me a ton with slalom skiing so you know he yeah he's uh he's helped me understand you know like do the transition of not being coached by having a training partner and uh and since then it's been so cool because we were here and we uh we have you know chris parish coming over every other day and, and skiing with us uh, we have a ton of people just you know stopping by and you do too and even yesterday we had a set and it's so fun to just be able to discuss on that and you know he helped me a lot through the transition of of uh of learning you know what it is to have a, a training partner more than a coach So yeah. that was
0: cool yeah, it's a, it's a big transition. Mm-hmm. Did he get you? Because one of the things, and I'm, I'm good friends with both of you, and one of the things about Freddie is that he's clearly one of the best skiers in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the argument could be made of all time already, and he's still active, but he's first and foremost a fan of the sport. Yeah. Like he geeks out about slalom, you oh, know, yeah. like he loves it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And did he... Did he ge- did you feel that too? Now are you like a bit of a slalom geek as well, or?
1: <laughs> well, I'm never gonna reach his level because he knows. <laughs> I mean, he knows the dates of you know every every tournament that he had, or he knows the scores of every tournament, every person that he skied against in that tournament. He knows my scores and my place is better than I do. <laughs> okay, uh, it's it's ridiculous, but yeah, he I, he did teach me a lot because I grew up being very different. I was not a ski fan. I, I loved skiing. And I was in skiing, so I knew what was around me. But I wasn't going online researching or looking or watching tournaments really so much when I was little. So I didn't know that much of, you know, those legends that have, you know, made the sport. Um, and he's all about that. So, yeah, it, it definitely... It, it we're very different in that way where, you know, I, I was just, you know, doing it because I loved it. And he loved just checking and, and seeing everyone watching people ski nonstop, you Yeah. Know? So I'm, it definitely helped me doing that a little more. And, and also, you know, you get into it. Uh, you do those tournaments and you get, I yes. Little by little got more interested, I yeah. guess.
0: Yeah. In the history, in the mm-hmm. and And, you know, yet you grew up in Europe, which is like one of the biggest pools of water ski talent there is. So I'd be curious to know, as you were coming up in the juniors, was there someone you were looking up to? Like you have some kind of model? you see what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, every time, you know, in the French teams, I was always... I I started by always being kind of the youngest one. Mm -hmm. So I would look up to, uh, you know, you had Nancy, you had uh, um, Marion. and know We were kind of the same same age and we started at the same time, but we pushed each other. And so it was more the people that I would, you know, see a lot and train with that would help me, you know, like be motivated and, and that I would look up to more than people that I didn't know and that were doing great scores in tournaments, but okay. I didn't have them, you know, in front of me. So it was harder for me to relate. You know, I was more, yeah, looking at the other people that were maybe the a few years older or, or 10 years older, but, yeah. you know, and then there was Clem and Marion, you know, and, uh, and it was cool. And I, Marion actually helped me a lot when I first moved here. It was cool to ski with her and same, you know, like just, starting to like skiing again. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I can see that, especially for you, given that you grew up in France and France is a humongous pool of amazing skiers. So you didn't have to look far, you know, mm-hmm. like you didn't have to have the poster of Christy Overton in the bedroom to be inspired. Like you had, you know, all these great skiers that you would see at tournaments. So the the, the inspiration was immediate, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, at first in tricks you know i was I was training with Alex Poto too, yeah, and i was you yeah. know we started we started skiing you know tricking and and training together um, and did that for a lot of years and and we were both tricking, and at first you know, like yeah, we were kind of trying to. Learned the same tricks at the same times, and and then he went way above. <laughs> he <took> off, huh? <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, it was it was cool. It was yeah, it was more the people that I could relate to and have a connection with, and and that yeah. were around me.
0: Yeah no yeah I think, I it's funny I think if I had to place myself I think I probably in between like I I obviously geek out like crazy about skiing mm-hmm. otherwise I wouldn't be doing a podcast, <laughs> uh, but also like I you know in Italy men's slalom is big so obviously I had a lot of people like that I would see every other weekend that they were a bit older than me and they mm-hmm. were running amazing buoys. So yeah, the inspiration was also like every weekend in the summer, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and now obviously you are now that kind of inspiration for a younger generation. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, cause I think, you know, we spoke about worlds in the, in the first part, but we've, not that we forgot, but we didn't touch on masters. You won masters.
1: Yeah, I won masters the the year before, yeah.
0: 2018, right?
1: Yeah. Talk no. about that. Um, I, it was it was awesome. Like compared to worlds, um, it was a very very different, very different thing that worlds because um, I actually came out of my set at masters and I wasn't you know last of the dock, and I was a bit upset. I didn't ski, you know. I I was upset with high skid the year before, for example. I had in terms of scores. I had done a lot better um so I was like oh here we go you know again like I I messed yeah. up you know um and it ended up you know being the opposite so it was more of a surprise it was less of a you know okay I'm I'm 100% on it I, I've i worked so hard and it, you know it has to happen and it was more of a oh wow okay I didn't do that great and all of a sudden oh no! actually (laughs) it's it's quite good and it was amazing you know it's so cool because masters it's it's masters it's such a a big tournament for all of us and um they you know they they give you your ring at the end and stuff like you you have your red bib for the year the year after and stuff It, it was a cool thing it's uh it's one definitely one of the biggest tournaments to win so amazing feelings um but yeah, I guess what was missing was that I I didn't. Yeah, I didn't feel like I like I had skid how I should have skid. So it, it's hard to be really proud of it. And actually, Brooke had skid amazing. She missed her gate at, at 39. Um, but she if she hadn't, she would have won because she did, I think, three or four. Oh, wow. Um, she skied amazing and so yeah when you yeah it was it was it was great but compared to wars it was not the same feeling at all yeah
0: yeah so it sounds like it was different in skiing terms to begin with Mm -hmm. right because you weren't last of the dock you did a score that you thought wasn't enough i can't believe i can't remember did you have to run off to win or was it like the score and that was it oopsie (laughs) we don't remember (laughs) Maybe we get um, Freddie and he remind us.
1: Cause, yeah, yeah, we need Freddie. Because uh, I remember running off. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it was run off. Yeah, run yeah, off. of course. Because I was thinking another year we run off with Regina, um, and uh, and I came second. Um, but yeah, no, that year we run off again, and uh, and yeah, I I won. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah, it was it was a bit different compared to Worlds in in terms of yeah, well you you ran off as well, but you ran off because someone tied you, not because you tied someone, right? Yeah. So skiing wise, it was very different. Mm-hmm. But what about because obviously, so you won the biggest institutional event, the Worlds. You're representing your country, you know, like you're going with the team jersey, like the tracksuit and everything. Yeah. And Masters is the biggest pro tournament, yeah. and there you're representing you, your sponsors. Like you're, I don't want to say alone, but kind of, you know, like um, it's gotta be feeling a bit different too, no?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And and what was cool about masters is that I had just uh, signed with Me. Ah, there you go. And so it was a, it was a pretty big deal, you know. Like and actually the the same week of masters we had done a photo shoot because I had signed like really not long before, so we did a photo shoot and I remember, uh, Krista you know telling me hey uh you, you, you we want you to win masters or something like that she had it she she said it i was like well, okay yeah I'd, I'd love to do that bon, too yeah. but you know I was like, okay. exactly and uh, it actually happened it was so cool and i was very happy because it worked out great for for the ski and it was good you know the good way to start a relationship with a with the sponsor like that yeah you know? for sure um so that was really cool but yeah for sure it's it's a very different setup, right? You you go to a pro tournament and yeah, you're by yourself. You ski and and you do your thing. Um, World, it's very different. You, you come there is ten other people in the team with you, and you've got like your team captains and you you have your uh, your doctors and it's so much support around you. Yeah. Um, it's it's it, in a way it's more professional than the pro tournaments just because for us we have. Uh, people around us to you know help us during you know getting ready for for the tournament and uh, but yeah no it's both of them were so cool and and masters is a huge one because it's it's so hard to ski there it's so stressful it's it's you know everyone is just on highest level that you can find it's yeah
0: do you feel that because i mean you skied a few masters um do you still feel that prestige that comes with it like when you show up to robin lake you know what i mean oh
1: yeah for sure i mean you get yeah yeah it's a very special tournament you know you have you don't have another one like this um you show up yeah it's always the same like i remember going there when i was junior and every yeah. time i show back up i i you know the emotion the emotions that i had when i was a junior and the emotions that i had ever since you know uh, at that lake the they you know they come back come back up and and um and it's it's cool it's it's such a cool place you know you have so much pressure um it's so well organized too because they do such a good job you know you have it's quick and it's run to perfection and um it's
0: exclusive you know like not everyone gets to go you know
1: yeah for sure for sure and so when you go you have you always have that little excitement and a lot of stress because it's it's masters you know it's it's hard to describe it's just very different from any other pro tournament yep. it, it is you know the u.s masters uh callaway garden robin lake you know you're there you know it, no it doesn't matter how many years you've been there you, you have that same feeling before like the first round like they they cut you know top four for the finals yeah exactly it's huge it, it's so hard um, and it's early in the season. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of uh, different feelings when you show there. When you show up there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, and it's one of those things that I've always recommended people to go to. Like, I live in Tallahassee, and Tallahassee to Callaway is like three hours, maybe. So. I've always suggested to people that even if you, they're not skiers, but they like watching skiing, you know, they come at the lake, like that's the, like such a good event to go to, you know, it's the best in the world, all jammed in a day, you know. Uh, you see everything. You see everything.
1: So, yeah, slalom, jump, tricks, wakeboard, you know, it's it's yeah. so cool. I, yeah. I really like it. really like it. It's hard for the skiers because, <laughs> you know, there's not many people, there is no room for, for um, messing up. Yep. but it's it's a really cool thing to be part of and it's a really cool time to, you know, it's probably one of the only tournaments where as a skier, you can watch everything else mm-hmm. and and watch a bit of everything. And, and the good, you know, it, it's not like you're going to have three hours of jump and you're going to be like, well, can't watch that, I need to go and rest. You have, everything is short enough that you can see everything that you want and still be focused on, on your skiing and and Not hurt your chances to do good,
0: yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and I think maybe even given how you said your upbringing was more like not really having the idols in front of you, but like a lot of you know, um, like immediate motivation, immediate examples to relate to. I'm sure that when you got to master's the first time as oh, a yeah. junior, you, you would have been starstruck, no,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. That changed a lot, then you know, I, I. You know I had never heard of masters uh three year two or three maybe two years before going there as a junior. I was that you know yeah out that of bad. The loop, yeah. <laughs> yeah that bad very shameful um, but then you show up there and you're like, oh wow, okay that there, there is a completely different world that I had no clue about yeah and and this is so cool you you know as a junior you you're there and you see. So yeah I arrived a bit earlier and that was the time where I was doing overall and I think we were doing everything I can't remember if we were doing everything on the Friday or Friday and Saturday.
0: yeah, I think because you're you're not that much younger than me what, what we used to do we did the Friday prelims and Saturday morning finals yeah and then Saturday afternoon was prelims uh or or no sorry Thursday prelims friday morning finals and then friday afternoon there would be some prelims and then saturday more prelims and then sunday finals and i remember i don't know if it was the same emotion you had i made the final Mm -hmm. and i remember in slalom you know obviously in slalom you start from either end of the lake well people are starting to show up like the day before there was no I mean, there was just you know but then the, the day that the same day, some pros are going to ski. Like, the pavilion is filled. The beach is filled. You're like, ooh, that's, yeah. that's a different experience.
1: Oh, uh, it was so cool. Yeah, as a junior showing up there. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly what you say. The first day, it's kind of chill. You know, you're like, okay, yeah, you can take it easy. You had your the meeting with all of the juniors. Right. It was fine. And then you do your prelims. It goes well or not. And, and then you, if you make it to the final, you... Also, the night before, I was always going to see, you know, like when everyone was getting together for the the, the open ones you know right. and, and before their meeting and you're like wow okay every look, look at all of these people you know it's so cool to see all of them in, in one room you know yeah it's true um and then you show up for your final and there is a lot of people and there is you know it's it's the first real event that you that at least i was part of uh, yeah. as a as a junior skier it's it's a proper, proper show. There's people watching and there is a speaker and there is music and it's on the (laughs) perfect timing. Yeah. Schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool.
0: Do you remember meeting like, I don't know, a skier or maybe that you had heard of or watching a skier you've heard of and just being like, Whoa, you know?
1: Um, well, I, again, I was more, I would relate more to, uh, the the people that I already knew. Okay? okay, so you know there was Anais. I remember yeah. her, you know, going and slaloming there, and I thought it was so cool to, you know, like because I I knew her, and so I could hang out with her and she, and be part of, you know, you know, see the other the other guys, and then right. be, you know, everyone that was impressive and and such cool skiers and that you never get to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was more through the people that I knew. I would just you know. Like oh, this is very, very cool. that's very cool. very cool, yeah,
0: nice, so well, and I mean, you've been there a few times now um you're obviously qualified again for this year. Let's talk a bit about twenty twenty how's how's the season looking?
1: uh the season's looking good actually, you know we've got um quite a lot of tournaments in may and june uh in the u s it's gonna be a an early season between you know the Swiss pro um Masters, uh, Lake 38, uh, Malibu Open is early, there's going to be a tournament at Bennett's, um, uh, and then two weeks after that, or three weeks after that, it's it's the San Diego Pro. program, so it's going to be quite a lot of tournaments at the same, around the same, you know, at the same time, that's g- going to be very exciting, and um, yeah, I'm excited to, I'd like to get back to where I was before Worlds, you know. Um, Feeling, feeling good and skiing skiing really well like that um, and having the chance to do it in a in a tournament where the water is flat, you know, and to see <laughs> right. where it can go and what I can do um, when I feel, you know, strong and, and and feeling, you know, like I can ski really well, see if I can apply that to tournaments this year yeah. and see if I can step it up a little bit again, you know, like keep in, improving with my performances and see where it can lead. Yeah.
0: Um we said over this episode how like high high level performance is not just one factor right it's a lot of factors and i would be curious to hear if you want to share what is one of those factors that you feel that if you were just to improve there you know like then your skin would, would keep increasing is it more technical is it physical is it mental nutrition anything that you've been sort of Narrow it down and go. Eh, yeah, probably that's the factor that needs a bit of work.
1: Yeah, I think on all of them, honestly, mm-hmm. I can I can find little things. Technically, definitely, I am working on, on some technical points that I'm hoping are gonna make me more consistent and have better starts in my in my runs and and uh, not having not running my passes starting from two <laughs> right okay. you know having a bit of a rough one and so so yeah i'm, I'm gonna i'm you know working on that technically and then the rest is, is just gonna be a matter of okay can i recreate the connection i had between all of these factors that i had you know right before worlds can i do that at other tournaments and yep. can i can i keep my motivation in in you know working out and and Even if my back is not unhealthy, you know, can I keep, you know, being so motivated and, and yeah, have that same, um, set of variables that are working well together for the rest of the tournaments. And, you know, if I hope it was not just a one-time thing, you know what I mean? No, of course, of course. When you feel like everything works out together, you're like, okay, well now can I recreate that?
0: And I think you bring up a good point. Like it's sometimes it's not even just like, uh, The need to improve on one, but more so like, can I keep all of them at a high level? You know, because it's it's so many, you know, maybe you're working out like mad and you're super strong and super fit, but then maybe you're, you're overusing the strength at the expense of technique, Mm -hmm. right? Or maybe you're eating super healthy, you know, like you're, you're fueling your body the way it needs to be fueled, but then you don't, maybe use it in a way at the gym that makes you stronger, you know, like it's so hard to keep that whole pie balanced, you know?
1: Of course. And even if you do everything, if you think that you're doing everything perfectly, you might just be exhausted because there is so much to do, Rest. you know? And yeah, it's, it's hard to find that balance. So, so yeah, I hope I'll I'll get back to there. And I think that's going to be my main goal for this year, like feeling, trying to feel like i can manage this and it was not just a a bit of a one-time thing where it all worked out great but can't replicate it
0: yeah yeah well listen as a water ski fan (laughs) and as a good friend of yours i can't wait to see it being replicated you know can't wait thank you
1: that's nice that's Um, really nice
0: yeah no of course um this was a true pleasure i'm glad we got to sit down and do this um anything we didn't say any shout outs anything you want to
1: no, I think, I mean, I think we've gone over quite a lot of points, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, yeah <laughs> I, for sure. It, it was really cool. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't, I think I've said everything I had to say. <laughs>
0: fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you for doing so, really. And, um, yeah, thank you for oh, being it, part of the episode.
1: I guess the one shout out is, you know, to you, because it's it's really cool to be here, but it's also really cool that you spend so much time, um uh, and dedicated to promoting the sport and to helping us tell stories and to helping people understand, uh, you know, like some big names in skiing better, um, or even, you know, some other people, you know, yeah. like, you know, what you do with the podcast, I think is it, really cool. And that's how, you know, between your tournament and the podcast, and you're doing a lot of good things for skiing. So, definitely well, thank a big you. thank you for that. And uh, I'm excited that you let me. Be part of it. Well, I was (laughs)
0: stoked that you were part with this. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Thank you. Boom. Cool. Done it. Yes. What do you think? I think it went very well. (laughs)